0: Our gospel reading for this morning comes from the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John. We'll be reading verses 1 through 14. After he had appeared to his followers in Jerusalem, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, "'It is the Lord.' When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, only about a hundred yards." When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I love this blue stole. And there is, of course, a story behind it. This stole belonged to my friend Ron Feeman. And uh, Ron and his family were members at my last church. And prior to that, Ron had been the dean of Harvard Divinity School when I was there. He was a respected professor and theologian. Um, And when he and his wife Beth visited our church for the first time, I could not believe that they were there. I was so nervous. To see the dean, just like when I was back in school. And I walked up to their pew before the service began, and I said, hello, Professor Thieman. I'm Keith Anderson. And he said, yes, I know. <laughs> I can't tell you how nervous I was in the pulpit that Sunday preaching in front of the dean, and I would be nervous in the pulpit for weeks after that preaching in front of Ron. However, in very short order, Ron became a good friend and a mentor and a teacher. He counseled me in many ways. He invested in me and shaped me, affirmed me. He helped me me to see myself more clearly and compassionately. And the pastor and the person and the leader that you know me to be today is in large part shaped by Ron. About a month before I left that church to come here to Upper Dublin, Ron informed me that he had been diagnosed with advanced pancreatic cancer. And I couldn't believe it. It broke my heart that I wouldn't be able to be there for him and his family in that time. The the very last time I saw him was when I went to take him communion at home because he was already too weak to come to church. Ron died several months later after I had arrived down here And his family called, and so I went back to Boston to preach at his funeral. And it fell during Advent, the blue season, and I didn't have a stole with me. And so his family gave me his stole, this stole, to wear at his funeral. And they asked me to keep it in memory of Ron. And I always wear it on the first Sunday of Advent to honor him. And I wear it today in the spirit of the story of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah was one of the great prophets of the Bible. He doesn't have a book of the Bible named after him, but his fingerprints are all over the Scriptures. He even shows up in the Gospels. When Jesus is transfigured up on the mountaintop, it's Elijah and Moses who appear beside him. And Elisha was Elijah's assistant, kind of the assistant to the regional prophet, you might say. little office joke there. And the story goes that Elijah is about to conclude his prophetic work on earth and to be taken up into heaven, and people were warning Elisha that the time was coming, and Elijah's saying, be quiet, be quiet, I don't want to hear about that. And Elijah tries to tell Elisha to stay behind as he makes the round from town to town, and Elisha respectfully objects and sticks right by Elijah's side. And as they walk and talk, Elisha asked Elijah for a double portion of his spirit, which is a term taken from the inheritance practices of that time. The, the oldest son always got the double portion of the inheritance, the, the full portion. It meant that Elisha would become Elijah's true heir and successor. And so soon afterwards, Elijah is lifted up into heaven but leaves his mantle, his cape, the um, object uh, like a stole for a pastor, the object of his office, he leaves it behind. And Elisha picks it up and puts it on. And just as Elijah uses that mantle to hit the waters of the River Jordan and part the waters, Elisha does the very same thing. And it's symbolic that Elijah did indeed inherit Elijah's spirit, his legacy, his prophetic work, and his leadership. This story is where the phrase taking up the mantle or picking up or carrying or assuming the mantle comes from. And it is in some small measure what I feel when I put on Ron's stole. Do you have people in your life who have been for you what Elijah was for Elisha or what Ron was for me? People who have nurtured and sustained you, guided you, helped you to see and understand yourself more clearly, people that you would wish to have a double portion of their spirit rest on you, a work mentor or a wise friend, a parent or a grandparent, an aunt or an uncle, a model of faith, somebody that was there for you, ready to listen and ready to share their perspective. Have you had the blessing of being that person for others? I count it as one of the great gifts of my life that I have had many people who have been that from, for me. Uh, from my Sunday school teacher, Miss Moretta, who would ask my mother at the grocery store how I was doing years after I had been confirmed and graduated from college. To my childhood pastor, Art Share, who is now my Facebook friend. To more recent friendships and partnerships, like my writing partner, Elizabeth, or my spiritual inspiration, Lisa. These people have shaped me and blessed me and given me faith and hope and helped me to understand God and myself and the world better. They have offered these things to me freely and graciously. Who are those people or that person in your life? And perhaps some of them are in this room today. Or perhaps some of them are among the saints whom we have lost at our church in this past year. I think of those we have lost in our church recently, and I think about how their mantle has fallen to us. The mantle of leadership, of quiet wisdom and good humor, and knowing how to have fun. The mantle of faith and hope and love. They, like Elijah, have gone into heaven and have passed the mantle down to us just that it had been passed down to them from earlier generations, down from the founders of this church, all the way down from the disciples who, as we hear in our gospel, encountered the risen Jesus at the beach over breakfast. They saw him on the road to Emmaus, and their hearts burned within them with recognition. They saw him in the upper room where, they sh- where he showed them his scars. They saw him from Galilee to J- Jerusalem to Galilee. And those disciples told the story of the resurrected Jesus and lived his mission and passed it on and on and on. As one commentator says of the Elijah-Elisha story, this scene of Elisha assuming Elijah's mantle as Israel's chief prophet portrays simultaneously the passing of a generation, the poignancy of parting, and the importance of maintaining a continuity of leadership. And that seems so much where we are as a community, the passing of a generation, the poignancy of parting, and the importance of continuity. We hold together the grief and the loss, and we recognize the importance of carrying forward. We're a community of memory and hope that honors the past and fully embraces the present and strives toward the future. And it's important to remember in such times as it was for Elijah and Elisha that it is part of the cycle of life and faith. And it's important to remember in such times when our roles may be changing, when things feel different or unsettled, that our value is not derived and never derived from what we do, what we know, or our age. Whether we are old or young, knowledgeable or new to faith, our value is only and ever derived from a single source the baptismal font of God's love. It's grounded in our identity as baptized and beloved children of God. Our faith tells tells us that our value, our worth, and our identity do not just come from what we do, but who and whose we are. That we're made right with God solely because of God's grace that we receive in faith, apart from anything that we do. That What we do is not done to earn God's love or to prove our worth, but out of an overflowing gratitude in response to God's love. There may be some people who ask themselves, what value would I have in this community if I didn't or couldn't do what I do? Or others may think, I haven't been here that long, I don't know the Bible very well and I'm not sure what it all means. In God's family, in this community, we are all of exceeding worth and value because we are claimed and we are loved by God. We have all been called to this place for a reason. We may not know it yet, what that reason is, but there is one, and we all, each of us, have a part to play in this moment. So in the coming days and weeks, I invite you to think about and pray on, how is God calling you to carry the mantle or pass it on, or take it up? How is God blessing you to be a blessing to others? Who are the people in your life that show you most God's love? And how can you, in turn, share that love with others? Where are the places, like the disciples in our gospel reading, in which you recognize Jesus? How can we respond to these times, not with fear, but with hope and confidence in the God who loves us and calls us? and an abiding trust in this community that embraces and sustains us. And through it all, we know that as St. Paul wrote to the Philippians, the one who has begun a good work in us will surely bring it to completion. Amen.